podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to Two Footed Podcast. It is Wednesday, the 4th of August. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, and access things you may otherwise be geo blocked from, be it American Netflix, UK Netflix, if you live in America or anywhere else and want the UK version, RT player, BBC iPlayer, whatever it is, Liberty Shield will allow you to change your location and access that streaming service. Also keeps your data safe online. So check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, we're brought to you by the EPL Index shop, which you can now find on Etsy. So download the Etsy app and search EPL Index store you'll also find the anfield index store on there if you are a liverpool fan um right folks we have breaking news it looks like aston villa are set to accept manchester city's 100 million pound bid for jack grealish multiple outlets had this news it looks like Talksport had it first followed quickly by the athletic and then john percy from the telegraph now percy was the one who broke the news of the bid. But it does seem like TalkSport were the first ones with the story about the potential for it to be accepted and maybe accepted today. Of course, our favourite spoofer with a catchphrase has said final stages since yesterday, uh, letting on he's well in the mix in this, but he hasn't a breeze. Chap hasn't a breeze. He needs to just go back to sleep. Um, Grealish to City. Many things running through my head about this one the main one is that 100 million is absolutely obscene for a player like jack Grealish. not worth half in my view not worth half hasn't proven he facilitates winning at a high level has never had a great season august to may the seasons he's played very well he's been injured and missed months so i don't know what city are are thinking here. I understand that Grealish is a very talented player. I understand that he's an enjoyable player to watch. But like I say, I don't think he facilitates winning, certainly not to the level that City demand. He's also a bad fit for City in terms of how he plays now as opposed to how he would play for them. When you consider everything at Villa goes through him, that's not going to be the case at Manchester City. Now, Sam Lee, who's one of the better reporters on Man City, writes for The Athletic. He has said that Pep sees him as a number eight. So that's problematic to begin with, because in his entire Premier League career, 
He's played about eight games as a number eight. And it has not gone, gone well. He has not played well in that position. Villa did not fare well when he played in that position. I think they won twice, lost four or five, drew the rest. Jack Grealish as an eight is a strange one. Sam Lee also says that City plan to rotate him with Ilkay Gundogan. So you're paying £100 million for a glorified squad player. And that doesn't seem strange to anybody. If we look at the list of the most expensive transfers in Premier League history, because Grealish is about to become the most expensive transfer in Premier League history, which means he has to be transcendent. He can't just go to City and be good. He has to go to City and be great. He has to go to City and become one of, if not the best player in the league. That's what it means to move for that kind of fee. Paul Pogba is the current most expensive signing in the league. Went from Juventus to Manchester United for £89 million. I think we'd all agree that one hasn't worked. In large part because of the expectations on Pogba. Like, we expect Pogba to be the best player when he walks onto the field. And far too infrequently has that been the case. He's had one really good season and the rest have been disappointing. Now, if that was a normal player having those seasons, two of them would have been disappointing and two of them would have been perfectly fine. But there's a different pressure, a different expectation that comes with being a record transfer signing. And the thing is, you look at the top 10 signings in the history of the Premier League in terms of the fee, a lot of them haven't worked. Pogba didn't work at all. That's a flop. They're going to either have to sell him at a big loss lose him for free, or extend him on a contract they don't want to give him. Harry Maguire is second. Does anyone think that's been a real success so far? $80 for Harry Maguire? He hasn't shown himself to be anything close to an £80 million defender. Romelu Lukaku. United lost money on him. That one wasn't a success. May not have been a massive failure, but I think it classes as a failure. Virgil van Dijk, no question that one's been a runaway success. Jaden Sancho, we don't know yet. We'll wait and see. Kai Havertz scored a, a goal in, to win the Champions League for Chelsea. So regardless, that will make it worthwhile. But on the pitch, week to week, hasn't yet shown himself worthy of the price tag. Very talented, but it's only a year in. We'll wait and see. Nicolas Pepe. I mean, this is a prime example for, for Grealish. Nicolas Pepe has been fine for Arsenal. And if they'd paid 30, 35 million, which is what Pepe was worth at the time, I don't think anyone would have been outraged at what he's put forward so far. But because they paid £72 million for him, he's deemed a failure. 
And the same standard has to be applied to Grealish. He can't be allowed to float by because he's English. He has to be held to the same standard. Kepa, flop. Kevin De Bruyne, no problem. Absolutely runaway success. And Angel Di Maria, flop. So far, we have Pogba, Lukaku, Kepa, and Di Maria. Unquestioned flops. Pepe is seen as a flop because of the fee. Havertz, Sancho, it's too early to tell. And Maguire can't be seen as a success. Now, I don't think it's a flop, but he certainly hasn't gone any way to justifying the fee that was paid for him. The only out-and-out successes from this top 10 of the most expensive players in Premier League history so far, Virgil van Dijk, he's the only one in the top five, and Kevin De Bruyne. Remember, Pep didn't buy De Bruyne, so he doesn't get credit for him. Um, it's huge pressure on Grealish. Whether he can cope with it or not, I don't know. We'll wait and see. I just think it's a bad move. I think it's a bad move for City spending that much money on a player that is largely unproven at the very highest level because we've seen nothing to suggest he's a top four, top six player. We haven't seen him perform in one of those teams. He hasn't played in Europe yet. Uh, Omar Chowdhury has a tweet here. Most expensive transfers for players who had never made a continental competition appearance. So Champions League or Europa League. Nicolas Pepe. Kepa. Ben White. Gone to Arsenal this summer. We'll wait and see on that one. But I don't like that move at all. Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I mean... He's been okay for United, but 50 million for a right back who is limited defensively, is great at one part, but not very good at the rest, and is very poor going forward. United are looking to bring in Kieran Trippier this summer. Trippier's not arriving to sit on the bench. So if United land Trippier, Juan Bissaka is sitting on the bench, or United are changing shape. Andy Carroll, massive flop. And Roberto Firmino. The only one on this list so far you can say is a success. Grealish will go to the very top of that list. And Firmino costs less than one-third of Jack Grealish. Firmino actually costs $23 million. Omar's got it listed as 29 but it's 23 in add-ons. You'd imagine all the add-ons have been reached. But still, Liverpool paid $23 million. It was a much smaller gamble than Jack Grealish. Especially the idea of bringing in Jack Grealish for 100 million and then playing him in a position that he hasn't shown he can play in in the Premier League. And I get that Pep is a great coach. I understand that he's a great coach. He's a tremendous developer of attacking talent. He thinks about the game in a very unique way. But as I detailed last week, when you look through his history of transfers, when he's the one picking the players, he hasn't got a great track record. He hasn't got a great track record at all. 
And I do worry that he's looked at Grealish and seen some similar traits to Andreas Iniesta, some similar traits to David Silva, and thought, I can make him that player. Except that he's 26 very soon. He may well just be the player he's going to be. And not only are you going to try and teach him to be a different type of player, you're going to try and teach him to do that in a different role. And, you know, the fee speaks to the hypocrisy of Guardiola. How many times over Pep's tenure at City have we heard him whinging about not having the money to spend? We can't afford it. He said earlier this summer, we can't afford a big money striker. Well, why are you in the mix for Harry Kane then? Why is Harry Kane on strike? He's not on strike without the promise from you that you're going to buy him. So you're going to do that on top of buying Jack Grealish? The hypocrisy of Guardiola is genuinely staggering. And as great a coach as he is, and there's again, there's no question he's a great coach, he is a checkbook manager. But that's what he is. At the end of it all, he is a checkbook manager. Pep has yet to show he can win a Champions League without Lionel Messi. He's yet to show he can win anything without a big budget and a huge advantage over his rivals. Like you look at his first summer, or sorry, his first season at Barcelona. They bring in Keita, Pique, Pinto, Caceres, Alves, Alexander Tleb, Henrique. It's a lot of signings. 90 million worth of signings that summer. The following year, he'd won everything. They gave him control. He spent 85.5 million and Samueletu on four players, all of whom, I think it's fair to say, flopped at the club. Ibrahimovic, Maxwell, Kerrison, and Kriginski. All of them flopped at the club. Following season, another 70 million. David Villa, Javi Mascherano, Adriano, not the good one. This was a, a fullback. Um, Afeli, who didn't work out at all. Following summer, final summer at Barcelona, he brings in Cesc Fabregas and Alexis Sanchez. Two more big money signings. Then he takes a sabbatical and he lands at Bayern Munich. Now remember, at Barcelona, he inherited Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, Puyol. The core of the team he inherited. He didn't have to do very much with it at all. He went to Bayern and he inherited the reigning European Cup winners. So again, not a whole lot needed. Still bought Mario Gotza and Thiago. So still spent big money. Summer after that, Lewandowski. Now that was a free, but it was huge wages, huge signing on fee. Xabi Alonso arrived. Mehdi Benetia arrived. That was big money. Juan Bernat arrived. His final season there, 
He again goes out and he spends substantial money. Josh Kimmich, Douglas Costa, Arturo Vidal, Kingsley Coleman. Big money signings. And then he goes to City and we went through what he did at City the other day. But remember, he inherited a City team with Aguero, with De Bruyne, with Sterling, with company, with Silva, with Fernandinho. He inherited great teams at every stop. Still spent fortunes. He inherited a team at Barca that had won a Champions League two years before. He inherited the reigning European champions at Bayern. He walks into these great situations, spends bag loads of money, and then complains that they don't have the money to spend. The boys on the Villa podcast have a great clip going around on Twitter. Just search their Twitter, you'll find it. Um, I won't go as far as them, but um, they are right. He, he, he spent $200 million on a defence and then convinced the owners to basically redo it for him because he couldn't coach the initial group to defend. Every time City have any sort of issue, the answer is money. Any time Pep has had any sort of issue through his managerial career, the answer has been, we'll just throw money at the problem. He's never solved a problem without doing that. That's just what he does. And yet we're all meant to laud him as a genius as someone that has made transcendent leaps in the game, I, I, I genuinely don't believe that he has. I think he's a very, very good coach, a great coach. His teams play brilliant football. But it doesn't change the fact that no manager in the history of the game has spent more, more money than him. He's inherited the three perfect situations for any manager to walk into at Barca, Bayern and City. And he has failed repeatedly to win a Champions League without Lionel Messi. He inherited the best team in Europe at Bayern. The best team in Europe, reigning European champions, treble winners. And never got close to winning a Champions League. No one ever thought they were going to win it any single year he was there. At City, he got to the final last year. And then overthought it, as he has done many times. And he can have his protecting knight in shining armor, Guy and Balaga, like defend him all he wants on social media and say it's not always about winning. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. In a final, the only thing that matters is that you win. Because nobody remembers anything else. Nobody will remember that they played pretty football in 20 years' time. People will remember that they lost. And when your owners are backing you to the tune of almost a billion quid in five years or however long he's been there, you best believe that all they want is the Champions League. All they care is that you win that tournament for them. You bring that trophy home. That's all they care about. The whole city project exists for one re well, two reasons. One is to illegally wash money. 
The second is to win the Champions League. And for him to come out and say, oh, we can't afford that, you're a hypocrite. Your team have illegally financially doped for years. And the reason you've gotten away with it is because you've refused to cooperate. And you've let the statute of limitations run out on what you did. You've never been found innocent of your alleged misdoings, wrongdoings. You refused to cooperate, stonewalled, and let the statute run out because you wait for a week. You're going to try and do the same thing now with the Premier League. And if you think no one's caught on to it and you're smarter than everybody else at City, you're not. Pep's not smarter than everybody else. The club aren't smarter than everybody else. Everybody else sees what they do. It's been obvious for years that City were doing this. There's no other way they could afford to buy a Jack Grealish for £100 million with the idea of he'll rotate with Ilkay Gundogan. No other club could afford to do that. And I'm talking about clubs that make far more money than Manchester City, Liverpool, Manchester United. Clubs with actual massive commercial deals, not fake commercial deals. Those clubs couldn't afford to buy Jack Grealish and not have him in the team some weeks. United looked at Grealish last summer and said, 70 million, no, that's way too much. City looked at Grealish last summer and said, 70 million, no, that's too much. But this summer, 100 million, fine, no problem, because the UEFA thing is over. And you think you're going to do the same thing with the Premier League investigation? You'll just run out the clock. All the while, Pep will sit there and say, oh, but we can't afford it. The man's a hypocrite. The club are hypocritical. The club have cheated. Cheaters don't prosper. Greedish will flop at City. Moving on. Romelu Lukaku could be poised for a return to Chelsea. Matt Law in The Telegraph has reported that Lukaku will agree to a return to Chelsea. Inter are braced for another bid. It's reported that the next bid will be about 120 to 130 million. Now, Lukaku was very, very strong in his statement that he planned to stay at Inter Milan, that he was certain he was staying. So I'm not sure what Matt Law's insight on this is, but it would be a big U turn on Lukaku if he was to change direction. Now, we know Inter need to make a sale. They need to finish this summer with around 80 million profit and a drastically reduced wage bill. They've already sold Hakimi, but that's not 80 million profit. They owe some of that money to Real Madrid. So they're going to have to sell one or two more players. They have other options before they'd need to sell Lukaku. Brozovic is probably the most obvious one. They could sell Skriniar. Latura Martinez, if they put him on the market, they'd immediately sell him. They could sell Bastoni, but I don't imagine they would. I don't think they'll sell Barella. I think the three that they view as untouchable are Bastoni, Barella, and Lukaku. I think those are the three that they won't sell, or that they don't want to sell, rather. But if Chelsea offer $130 million for a 28-year-old striker that you paid $65 million for, 
you can then pay back Manchester United, pay off what you owe, and bank a hundred percent profit. You're going to make all your money back and all that money again. And for sixty-five million, you'll go and buy a really good striker that can then play with Latour Martinez. Maybe you're the one that buys Vlahovic from Fiorentina. If I was Inter, I think I'd have to consider it. At that price, I do think I'd have to consider it. Now, that would be a huge signing for Chelsea. Lukaku is world-class, one of the best strikers in the world. I think he's top three up there with Lewandowski and Kane. We know he can score goals in the Premier League. We know he can be dominant. I don't think he'd be as dominant in the Premier League as he was in Serie A because I think there's a, a pacier group of defenders that he'd face in England. But he has developed and improved since leaving Manchester United. He's become a better player. He's become a more confident player, a better all-round player. It's a hell of a signing if Chelsea can get it done. Like I say, it'll be a huge U-turn for Inter and Lukaku, but sometimes money does just speak too loudly. And 130 million is a lot for Inter. They could they could do a lot with that. And they will offer Lukaku huge money. Now Chelsea, we know for years, have done the same things Manchester City have done. But they've never hidden it. See, the thing with Chelsea is they're more they're more brash with how they go about things. Roman doesn't care, but Roman lets you know he doesn't care. He's not sneaky. He's not underhanded with what he does. Roman does it out in the open. Thomas Tuchel hasn't been crying, poor mouth. No, no Chelsea manager other than Conte. But Conte likes to cry about everything. It's part of his thing. Lukaku would be an unbelievable signing. Another uh, London team doing bits. Christian Romero looks like his deal to Spurs is on. Fee agreed. Alistair Gold reporting that the fee has been agreed. They just need to sort out the small details. Um, Mary Damarell is on his way to Atalanta as a replacement. He'll sign on loan with an an option to buy. But Spurs look like they've got Christian Romero. That is a fantastic signing. Top, top tier defender, still only 23, can play in a two or a three. Last season, in the middle of a three, was the best defender in Serie A. And if you, if Nuno uses him like that in the middle of a three, I think, I think Spurs are getting a great defender. Now, they still want at least one more centre-back. Jules Koundé is still on their list. Tamiyasu's still on the list. He'd be, I guess, the plan B. Kunde is plan A. Tamiyasu's plan B. I think they end up with plan B. I think Chelsea might might beat them to Kunde. But if Chelsea get Lukaku, maybe they don't maybe they don't go big on a centre back. Maybe they decide that they're not going to spend sixty million on a centre back because they spent 130 million on a striker. Uh, which could open the door for Spurs. That would look like Spurs obviously send, uh, spending the Harry Kane money. That's what that would appear to be. And if that is what they're doing, 
fair play. If they are going to rebuild their team from the back using the Kane money, I think that's smart. If they could spend the $160 million that they want on Kane, for Kane on Romero, Kunde, and say Vlahovic to play up front instead of Kane, I think they'd be a better team. Now, it might take them a year to realise they're a better team. But looking long term, I think they'd be a better team. Spurs aren't going to win the Premier League next season. They're not going to win the Champions League because they're not in it. They're not going to win the Europa League because they're not in it. They're in the Europa Conference League. That's where they are at the minute. They're in the third tier. They want to be back in that top tier. And the way to do that is to improve your defence and build your team properly. Selling Kane can do that for them. And maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that's the plan. I don't think Harry Kane going on strike is helping things, though. And Harry Redknapp, who knows Daniel Levy very, very well, has said that Levy doesn't do emotions and will not budge over his valuation of Harry Kane. You're dealing with a very cold, calculated man when it comes to business. Daniel doesn't do emotions. He doesn't do feelings. I know what he's like. Unless Kane has got a close and an offer of $120 which says he can go, then whatever, fine. He's got an argument with Daniel. But what Daniel is going to say is, yeah, I said you could go, but the valuation, but it's the valuation, and they're not meeting it, so you're not going. So this is the gentleman's agreement. Kane believes there's a gentleman's agreement. Levy says there isn't. Who knows what the truth is? Who knows what, if there's a price attached? Did Levy say to Kane a year or two ago, you can go at this price? Or did he say, if the right offer comes in, you can go? Because the first one seems to be Harry Kane's point of view. And the second one seems to be Daniel Levy's point of view. Either way, the Kane thing is going to run and run. Can City afford both? Of course they can. Can they finagle their finances enough to make it look like they did things within the parameters set out by the Premier League and for financial fair play? Maybe. They'd have to sell, obviously, some players. Who those players would be. Bernardo Silva's been one who's been linked with a move away. Americ Laporte's been linked with a move away. Raheem Sterling has been linked with a move away. I don't know where these players are meant to go. You look around Europe, there's no one in Italy with money to spend this summer. Juve are broke, Inter are broke. None of the rest of the teams in that league can afford players like Silva, Sterling and Laporte. You look to Germany, I don't see Bayern wanting them. They already have great wide options. They've got a really good left-side centre-back in Lucas Hernandez. No one else in Germany can afford them. You look at, at France and Paris Saint-Germain. They might have interest in Laporte. Maybe they could do it another left-side centre-back because they've only got four. Um, I just don't see it with them. And no one else in the league can afford them. Which moves us to Spain. Real are broke. Barca are broke. Atleti are teetering on the cusp of being broke. Where's the market for these players that City are going to sell? 
Are they going to sell them in England? Well, who can afford them there? They're not going to sell to Liverpool. They're not going to sell to United. Chelsea might have interest in Laporte. He'd be ideal, left side of a three. Chelsea might have interest in Raheem Sterling, but they've got a lot of players for wide roles. Spurs might have interest in Raheem Sterling. Would he have interest in them? Would Bernardo Silva have interest in them? Would any of them want to go to Arsenal? I don't know where City are selling these players to. I can see why they want to sell Bernardo and Laporte because Pep has decided that his centre-back pairing is going to be Stones and Diaz. Rightly or wrongly, that's what he's made a decision on. Bernardo, with Grealish in the door, there's no real room for him anymore. Because now you've got De Bruyne, Grealish, Gundogan, Foden, Mares, All for the positions that Bernardo would normally play. Sterling I don't understand. I don't know why you would want to sell him. And in, in, in truth, I don't think City will sell him. I think, I think City do deep down realise how great a player he is. I think they value him correctly behind the scenes if they don't always project that publicly. What happens with Kane is going to be very, very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when he turns back up at training later this week, what kind of greeting he gets from his teammates who, while they may be sympathetic, I don't imagine they're going to be very happy with him because he's created a circus as they try to get back to work. Uh, Brighton have been charged by the Football Association over several breaches of its agents' regulations. The alleged offences are dated between January 2015 and January 2018. Not good to see the FA are right on the ball, right on top of things, making sure that when something goes wrong, they get it sorted. Brighton say, oh, I see. Brighton say they identified and self-reported to the FA a number of historical administrative errors following an internal review in 2019. So why is it taking until now? So the FA didn't even know this was going on. Brighton turned themselves in. They've been given until August the 17th to respond to the FA charge. Brighton were fined 90000 by the FA in 2015 after admitting a breach of regulations involved in their purchase of Dale Stevens in 2014. The section under which they have been charged this time relates to concealing or misrepresenting the reality and or substance of any matters in relation to a transaction. Hmm. It's good that Brighton are being transparent about this, been open and honest about this. It's worrying that the FA have done nothing uh, about this in two years. It's worrying that they had to self-report that the FA didn't know. I mean, it's it's three years ago. Three and a half years ago. January 2018 is three and a half years ago. If they hadn't self-reported, uh, they probably wouldn't have been caught. Which makes you wonder what other clubs have done. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up with the gossip. See you in a sec. 
Right, welcome back. We are going to wrap up with the gossip and get ourselves out of here for today. Arsenal have proposed a player plus cash deal for Leicester City and England midfielder James Madison. The Gunners are said to be reluctant to pay the 60 million asking price for the 24 year old. So we'll be willing to offer players or a, a player or players as part of the bid. Uh, this story is from Chris Wheatley, who's the best on Arsenal, writes for Football London. Negotiations apparently very slow and like a game of chess, but Madison is keen on the move. He's he's a very good player. I, I can see why Arsenal would want him. Uh, no confirmation on who the player could be who's been offered as a make-weight, but it is obviously known that Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Joe Willock, Reese Nelson and Eddie Nketiah are all available in one way or another from Arsenal this summer. So I guess they'd probably offer Maitland-Niles. He might be the one that makes the most sense uh, as that utility-type player. If I was Leicester... It'd be Smithrow or go away. I know he just signed a new deal, but still, if you really want Madison, it's Smithrow or go away. Manchester City are willing to pay 130 million for Harry Kane and remain confident they can get the deal done. That is from the Athletic. Um, Charlie Eccleshare. Reporting that. It's tough to know. It's tough to know what price City will end up going to. But does very much feel like they're going to find a way to get both of them. Like when you're paying 230 million and you have all the money in the world. 260 million isn't really a huge jump for you. It is for other clubs, for normal clubs that do things differently, like the the proper way. But for you, it's not a huge jump. You're owned by the 20th richest country in the world. So, you know, you, you find the money. I guess they end up paying up. Levy gets his sum. Kane gets his move. Kane then takes some of the pressure off Grealish. Because he'll then be the most expensive transfer in the history of the Premier League. Uh, the best thing Grealish can hope for is Harry Kane landing after him because that will take a lot of the pressure off him. Inter Milan will reluctantly accept about $100 million. This is from the Metro. It's crap because they, they turned down $100 million, So, no, it's not true at all. Um, America Laporte has made it clear to Manchester City he wants to move to La Liga this summer with Barcelona and Real Madrid keen to sign him. Barca are broke. Real are broke. Real do need a centre-back, obviously, having let Varane go. But they did bring in Alaba, who's a left-footed, obviously left-back by nature, but played centre-back the last couple of seasons at Real. And I'm guessing Ferland Mendy is going to be the left-back, so maybe they'll play a back three. But either way, uh, I don't see Real having the money for Laporte unless City are willing to take it, you know, with nothing down. Nothing for quite a while, and down the road, you know, we'll we'll pay you back. Uh, Tottenham are close to a forty-seven million pound deal for Christian Merrill. Blah, blah blah, that's fine. Uh, Southampton and West Ham are interested in Nice and Austria defender Flavius Danluch. 
don't know anything about him. Let's find out where he plays. Um, I have not seen him play for Nice. He is a centre-back. Played a bit last season. Former Bayern Munich Academy player. Interesting. Um, Well, West Ham definitely needs some depth at centre-back. And you would imagine Southampton could take all the help they can get. Um, Makes sense. Makes sense. But I, I... if he's good, Nice won't sell because Nice are planning to build a title-winning team. Nice have just hired Galtier, who won the title last year with Lille. They're owned by Britain's richest man. They plan on doing big things. Liverpool, along with a number of unnamed Premier League clubs, are interested in signing Bournemouth's Dutch forward Arnaud Danjama, Danjuma, who has also attracted a bid from Villarreal. Bournemouth are seeking a fee in the range of £21 million. I've seen this going round. I don't believe there to be any truth to it. I'd imagine Liverpool have looked at him and thought, yeah, he's a good player. But no, I, I, I don't imagine so. Aston Villa hope to tie up deals for Tammy Abraham and Axel Tunzebi. Uh, both spent time on loan and helped the club achieve promotion in 1819. I mean, they definitely want Tammy, and they I, I assume they do want Tunzebi. Now, whether that's a loan or a permanent move, I don't know. The Tammy one would be permanent. But both of those would be very, very good. Very, very good signings. Tammy. I think would be perfect for them. Tammy up front, Buendia as the 10, Bailey off one wing, Watkins off the other. That'd be a pretty formidable front four. Two boys behind them. They'd still just have that hole at centre-back. Chelsea have offered 25-year-old Brazilian winger, winger Kennedy to Sevilla as part of a deal to sign Jules Cohen. Nonsense. Portugal forward Cristiano Ronaldo still wants to leave Juventus for Real Madrid, but the 36-year-old 36-year-old knows his chances of a return to the Bernabeu rely on whether the Spanish club are successful in their pursuit of Kylian Mbappe. So this is from AS, who are a glorified Real Madrid fanzine, so pay no attention. Premier League newcomers Brentford are closing in on the signing of Swedish midfielder Jens Kahust from Italyan. Very good player. Very, very good player. I think he'd be well suited to the Premier League. Did well against Liverpool in the Champions League last season. Sweden striker Zlatan Ibrahimovic tested the waters of a potential return to Paris Saint-Germain before he agreed a new one-year deal with Ace Milan. Le Parisien, so I would class it as nonsense because, again, they're a fanzine for the local club. Zlatan seemed pretty clear that he was very, very happy to stay with Milan. He only ever went to PSG because Milan had financial problems, not because he wanted to play there. Everton are very interested in Joaquin Correa of Lazio and are lining up a £21.3 million bid. Be an interesting one. To play just off Calvert-Loon in a central area. Not really what they need. Because Richarlison should probably play that role. But if Richarlison is going to play wide left, that one would make sense. Leeds United have competition in their bid to sign Noah Lang. According to reports, Spanish side Sevilla are also interested in the club Bruges winger. It would make sense for Sevilla. They've lost Brian Gill this summer to Tottenham. But I think he ends up at Leeds. West Ham believe they only have a 10% chance of re-signing 
Jesse Lingard this summer. Um, the 28-year-old is back in preseason training with United. A 10% chance. Not 12, not 8, 10% chance. Uh, Jesse Lingard is going to waste the rest of his career at United. Is what's going to happen. He's going to sign a new deal. And he's going to stay there as a squad player. And that's just going to be it. Uh, West Brom are weighing up a move for Derby County's Welsh forward, Tom Lawrence. Congratulations to Tom. Hope the move goes well. Uh, that's it then. That is the show for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Do tell a friend. Continue to spread the good word. We're doing very well at the moment, so we'd like to continue that momentum into the new season. Thanks, as always, to Guy Drinkle. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.